We interrupt this program to bring you a special news. We interrupt this program to bring you a special news. We interrupt this program to bring you a special news. We interrupt this program to bring you this important bulletin from the United States. This is not a test. Every Tuesday, the Journey into Comics Network will bring you The Poor Rapport, your one-stop podcast shop for everything news and topics of personal interest. I am your host, Andrew Poor, and you can hear me every Tuesday. The following is a Journey into Comics Network production. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Journey into Comics. Podcast about everything nerd with your hosts Nate Phillips and Brandon Stone. We've come a long way from the Prime Minister's exploding cake, or have we? What's up, everybody? Welcome to Journey to Comics number 167. I'm one of your hosts, Brando. Joining me here today, as always, is my co host, Nate. Dude, how is it going? It is going pretty darn good. We are uh, we are now past Thanksgiving. I hope you guys had a happy one. We are actually recording this the day before, so we are a few uh, days off of your listening date. But we definitely wanted to get to talking sooner rather uh, rather than later because we got some stuff to talk about, dude. Um, we were together this past weekend and we didn't record a single thing, even though. The rule of law would be when you see something and do something nerdy together, you got to just hit record and talk about it. In fact, it would have been better if we could have, but we split. That's and that was kind of an oxymoronic thing to do would be to say, hey, let's get together, hang out and not do any podcasts. By the way, let's go see Justice League. Yeah, I loved I loved the concept of this because it gave us time to bond and we didn't have to worry about what we were going to say. I've taken a, you know, really the the other thing that was great about this because we could have. You're so right. It would have been so easy to say, "Fuck it, let's just record right now." You actually brought your Zoom. We we didn't even see it, but you had it with you. If something would have broke out, if all chaos broke loose and the greatest conversation was happening, you could have made that happen. But uh, it's nice because we got to sit on this for a week, and I've really taken in a lot of thought on Justice League really have taken in a lot of thought on how I actually feel about the movie and and all the moving parts of that. Uh, so it's, you know, it was awesome, first of all, we should start there, that we got to hang out together. And it was, like, not planned but perfectly timed. You guys had just gotten in line, like, right when we were getting there. Yeah, there was some sort of... Um issue with moving the time and unfortunately we could I could not move the time yeah we when, were pretty when, much locked in when we yes and uh, you know uh, unfortunately uh like you guys like might have been late but you guys are actually right on time um but like there was some stuff going on during my day that made me just want to stay home like, did not even leave the house. I was not having a good day. I vibe that. At all. At all. And so then we had all this stuff with, like, wanting want to move the time. And I'm like, I can't, dude. You know? And then with that going on, I was, like, throwing my hands up saying, I'm just going home. <laughs> I'm taking the kid and I'm going home. Um, but, but but we didn't do that. And um, went I went and saw the movie. Unfortunately, um, 
my wife couldn't go. Uh, she went and went to go help a good friend, Silent Gretchen, Silent Rob. Torpal. Uh, silent Torpal. So Silent Torpal, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, I remembered. Silent Rob's silent wife. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, they're, si- and they're silent baby. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, you guys, and and, and your new uh, uh, addition to your family. Uh, but of course, as with any uh, sort of like brand new parent, been there, it is erratic. It is you're you're constantly tired, overtired. Let me let, let me correct that. You're overtired, and so um, uh, you need help whenever you can get it. And so you know, my wife was like, you know what, you help me out, I'm gonna help you out. And so we had a little bit of a change of plans, and uh, but so then we, we so we went and saw the movie. Sat there, saw the movie. We weren't in like prime spots. We were a little too close, closer, buddy. Because we got there, I couldn't even get any popcorn or a drink because the line was like going to the damn door. I mean, it, I guess it doesn't matter, Brando. Really, we should have just taken our fucking time because there were like two hundred trailers. There, this was like the longest previews ever, and not even great preview. Why are we seeing a preview for Pitch Perfect three before my Justice League movie? Like, here, here's the thing. I really wish that Marvel would have just outsmarted DC on this one, bought ad space for Infinity War, and had that shit play right before Justice League. I mean, it would have declared legitimate war, but. You know. We should have had a, a Star Wars spot. Also true, uh, since that's coming up. Uh, but yeah, I no Pitch Perfect was like not the crowd for this at all. Like, <laughs> and not only that, not only that, but it's the third one of these, and they never should have made the first one. My opinion. Yeah, it doesn't really do anything for for me personally. Like the movie, I watched the first one and it wasn't terrible per se. The whole acapella competition thing. It's like what was that fucking drumline? Drumline. That was the movie. What was it, that it, fucking drumline movie called? <laughs> it was the it was the drumline. Uh yeah, so it's essentially the same thing but with acapella singers, chick singers or whatever and it's it's just like come on, why are we doing 3 of these? You don't need the story doesn't need to. The, there's too. There's so much plot within fucking Pitch Perfect three. It made Justice League's plot look simple. <laughs> you know, dude. What I'm there's so much plot in the trailer. <laughs> it was ridiculous. I'm like, what in the fuck are they setting up? There's like this war, and then there's this like whole like you're too good for this, and then now there's this other subcontext chick is gonna betray the team. Like, what is going on? Calm down. You just keep it simple. Uh. I, you know, it's weird. I don't really remember too many other trailers other than the other main comic book one, which we have not talked about yet officially. Uh, D to the E to the A to the D to the P double O L. We got the family version of the Deadpool teaser. Yeah. That snow. <laughs> that snow. Moose knuckles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that actually still made me laugh, <laughs> even though. He, even though it was it was it's a technical edit that still made me laugh. Uh, really, I I love the fact that they did. I mean, I I was like, it's it, this movie's going is it, as far as the trailer's going, just in the right direction. Absolutely, uh, even, even without Miller. Uh, that 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 was the name of the director, right, Miller? Yeah, Tim Miller. Very good, Tim Miller. 
I couldn't remember. Like, I just remember Miller. <laughs> You're dead on, bro. And then it's weird, though, because T.J. Miller was in the movie as Weasel. Yeah, right. So. Uh, Ready Player One, but that was an old trailer. Oh, you know what? I liked that, though. Like, the whole VR is your real life kind of take. And then there's the whole racing scene. That was super hyped. It was a book. Um, it was uh, a lot of people got the book due to Loot Crate. Yeah, I heard about that. Um, but this is like an a love letter to the '80s book, and there's in the book there's so many pop culture references from the '80s. The only thing is, is that you can't do that in a movie because you can't get rights to everything. So they're gonna have to limit it to what rights that Sony and Universal it's have. It's Universal, or, yeah, yeah, Universal. It, it, so that's why you know we saw the DeLorean, you know we saw the Iron Giant, we saw Freddy Krueger, um, a bunch of bunch of little stuff in there. Uh, in the movie or in the movie, I'm sorry. In the in the book, Will Wheaton is in the book as Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton, and Will Wheaton reads the audio book. Oh, that's awesome of that. And so I wonder if Will Wheaton is actually in that movie as Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Because that'd be perfect. I'm I'm sort of casually looking it up now because I actually haven't looked up anything about the movie. I know it's being directed by Steven Spielberg. Yeah, he's got a pretty good track record, the Spielberg guy. I don't know if you've heard yeah, about dude. him. Yeah, dude. New the, kid the, on you know, the this, block. You know, this up-and-comer um, really has a lot of... Uh, he has a pretty big promise, you know, promising future. T.J. Miller is in Ready Player One as well. Whoa, that's a cool movie to movie. There you go. Oh, uh, train, train of the existence coming in early. It would not be a JIC without our train of the existence of our existence at the nine minute mark. We just got to the nine minute mark, folks, and there's already a train of our existence. By the way, I'm fighting like this really weird sinus infection cold thingy that's just been dangling. I feel really great for a couple days, and I think I have it gone, and then it kind of sneaks in a little bit. Uh, so my voice is fucking kind of a little bit... Uh, nasally is the word I would use. Uh, it's crazy that we're already like gearing up towards our 175th episode. We're not so far away from that anymore. Eight, Dude, epi- not, eight episodes uh, away. You know, pretty big landmark episode. Of course, we're always going to be excited to talk about Star Wars, The Last Woo! Jedi, which is the uh, now the officially the longest Star Wars movie ever. Really? What's the runtime on that? It's like... Two hours and 40-something minutes. Holy shit. And I guess the closest one to it is Revenge of the Sith, and that was like two thirteen. Oh, two and a half. That makes sense. And then uh, I guess Force Awakens was like two and 20-something. Now, that's including credits. That's There's a lot of freaking people who are listed in Ready Player One. <laughs> yeah, lots and of characters and... Uh... I'm not seeing Mr. Wheaton. Damn. That's very oh, unfortunate. It, maybe they'll oh, bring man. maybe he'll be an uncredited voice. Uh, but, but like the narrator, you know? You don't ever get the narrator in the uh trailers. I mean, they've probably had to change some of the story anyway just just for the movie and with all the different stuff going on. Did you read this it's, book? I have read the book. Uh Long man, years ago now, been a while. Was this a book that when you read it, you were like, "Oh, this could be a great movie"? Um, theoretically, 
but it, it's difficult. <laughs> yeah, as difficult, you said, with the uh, licensing. Difficult in practicality. Um, it's We have the main character is played by Ty Sheridan, then T.J. Miller is Irock, Olivia Cook is uh, Artemis, and Simon Pegg is in this movie. Sweet. So... Uh, it, Nick Frost is also in that movie, right? He was in the trailer. I didn't. Or was see that, that or was that in a different movie? That what was that trailer for that we saw? Shit, it had uh, Nick Frost in it, the dude that's always in the Simon Pegg movies. He had the, like the long beard. Oh, you're right. What was that movie? He was like, was he selling weapons or some shit? Oh wait, hold on. I looked up Nick uh, Nick Frost. Looking up filmography. Tomb Raider. Yep. Tomb Raider. We saw Tomb Raider. Is that um, something you're going to cover on your uh, the Game Addicts podcast, perchance? If I see it. I'm not going to go to the theater and see it. It. That's surprising, because I thought you really liked the game that just came out, and it seemed like that was a closer representation to the game. I know it's it definitely not Tomb Raider, but it looked a hell of a lot better than The Rock's Doom. Well, I mean, okay, so this this representation of the movie is they take a lot of cues from the reboot. There's scenes that are, like, just taken right from it. And that's not a bad thing, but I've also already pl- I played the game twice. I don't need to do it again. It's just that, it's that kind of thing, you know. It's, it, I like it. I'm not in love with it, you know. I, I like the first reboot. I had a lot of fun with it. Then I replayed it and then played Rise of the Tomb Raider. I liked it too. Uh, didn't love that either. It it, was, it didn't hit me like, of course, like Uncharted 4 did. I absolutely loved Uncharted 4. It was so good. Um, I got some pickups. Oh, shit. Are we getting a sneak peek at Game Addicts this week on Journey into Comics? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. All right. So... For four dollars, I got Ooh. Star Trek Beyond. Nice. I haven't seen it yet. It's good. I liked it. It's you know, I, like I you saw can, the first two. You always kind of worry when the when they have a director and then they don't have that same director again. Yeah, what happened gonna do? there? Well, JJ went to go do Star Wars. That's right. And then uh, I can't remember who got the directing nod for this. But Simon Pegg helped write... Helped, oh, Justin Lin. He's from the Fast and the Furious movie. Oh, okay. That um, makes sense. I thought it was good. Uh, as, as good as the other two, because I really enjoyed both of the other two. Then, cool. Well, I'm interested in checking that out. Ooh, the, DMC, Devil May, OG. Devil May Cry 2 and 3, uh, four bucks a piece. And then the last one. It's a big pickup. Oh, it's a gatefold CD. What is this collector's edition you have that I've never seen before? This is the new remaster release that just came out. Oh, what? How different does it sound, Brando? Oh, it's so it's beautiful. Not, how many sounds times? Sounds like Master of Puppets. <laughs> it, how, okay, so it's not as different as when Mustaine did 
the remasters of all the OG Megadeth. You remember when he did that? That was actually right yeah. right when we were both started collecting Megadeth albums at the time. Uh so oh it looks it looks beautiful. I mean absolutely folks. I'm getting luckily for me I'm on Skype. So Brandon's just flipping through this it's it looks like the original book. All right. So um in the thank you uh, they have like a really big thank you section. You know, ha- like have you ever read it? Because I've actually never read it. No. Uh, um, we're not gonna read the whole thing because there's a whole there like paragraphs. In fact, I'm gonna have to try and like. It's one of those things where it's like, if I get too close, I can't read it. If I get too far away, I can't read it. Oh <laughs> I'm shit! I'm starting to get old. We're getting old. I'm gonna have you, to get my cheaters. By the way, you know that right, Brando. That at some point when we're older, we're going to take Journey into Comics on tour and it's going to be Nate and Brando get old. <laughs> yes. And it's going to be great. Um, of course, the, you know, they, they think a lot of band members or, you know, a, a, lot of, a lot of other things. You know, of course, Cliff Bernstein, you know, um, John Cochran, Michael Mikey Poo, Alego, Mike Bone. And then it's like, thanks to all the U.S. magazines and press for their great support. Thanks to the thankful Bay Area Metallabashers. Um, in Europe, they're thanking a bunch of people. Um, also, thanks to the European magazine to press. Also, extra fucking yahoos. <laughs> like... Spelled Y A H O O Z, <laughs> and it's X T R A F U C K E N. Also, extra fucking yahoos to Carlsenberg, Beeves, Sushi, Absolute Vodka, Alka Seltzer, The Young Ones, <laughs> Remuel Blade, Sky Cow, Boom Shakur, Boom Shakur, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And most of all, dot, 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 Edda. <laughs> so, um, last year, uh, the local rock radio station in my area had a giveaway for Hardwired to self-destruct. And on Thanksgiving Day, I entered that contest online. I just was on my way over uh, to Illinois for Thanksgiving uh, see family and she usually how we do it she drives over I drive back and so I'm just sitting there on my phone oh cool I can enter to win it instead of buying it right and I won the damn thing what and so like I was chilling out like a month later and um, it was like my Christmas shutdown my phone rings don't know the like the number but it's from Lafayette and I'm like I ain't answering it <laughs> <laughs> it goes to voicemail and it's like like Hey, Brandon, this is Strange from 93.5 KHY, and I want to let you know you've just won the new Metallica disc, Hardwired to Self-Destruct. Come on in any day of the week here before 4.30, and we'll have it there on the front desk for you. I'm like, badass, I want something. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, so the other day, I'm just chilling on my couch, kind of halfway falling asleep. She's watching something on, like, Netflix. And I don't really care to watch it, so what do I do? <laughs> and my my phone rings. I look at it. I just had to talk to like my you know, you know like my eye doctor or something. 
so I answer it. It's like, hey, this is strange from 93.5 KHY. <laughs> you've won the new, <laughs> you've won Metallica's Master Puppetry Master. I'm like, <laughs> I've won two Metallica CDs from the same station almost exactly a year apart. You won that today? I Yeah, I won it because uh, they crossed out, just like on the other one, they, they sharpie out the uh, like the bar. Holy the, shit, the dude. So, yeah, I, I won it. Uh, they called me on, shoot, it was, it was Monday and, and told me that I won. Um, on the back of it, it says, this, the music on this compact disc was originally recorded on analog equipment. We have attempted to preserve as closely as possible the sound of the original recording. Because of its high resolution, however, the compact disc can reveal, sem- s- uh, can reveal limitations of the source tape. Interesting. Um, obviously, the best way to get that would be vinyl. Yeah, um, that's what I'm looking for, the OG vinyl, not a re-release. Uh, well, I kind of want the re-release because that means they spent time to try and like uh, make it a little bit more high fidelity. Um, cool, have, having an OG wouldn't be cool, obviously. I wouldn't definitely, if I, if I found it, I would not not buy it, you know? Yeah. But I think for record store day, if you went and picked up the new re, the new remaster, select stores had a finite number of lot is Cliff's last show. Whoa! And it was on cassette. Oh shit! They put it on cassette, and that was given to you for free if you bought the Master Puppets uh, remastered on vinyl. Whoa! And then I think if you buy the big collector's box, uh, on like on like Metallica shop and whatever, it's ridiculous. I think you might, it's like two hundred bucks, right? I think you get the uh, I think you get the cassette with that too. Damn, that's awesome. Cliff's last show. Damn, that's crazy to think about. Uh, we should probably untangent ourselves down to Metallica and get ourselves back into Justice League talk. We've been teasing it a little bit here. Yeah. Uh, so. I want to get your thoughts right away, Brando. I need to know, like, how did you feel about this movie? I liked it, and I really liked it. I thought it was a pretty well-put-together movie, all things considered, with all of the drama, all of the uh, tragedy, all of the um, mess that this movie was to put together. There was so much of this movie that wasn't in this movie, that we've already seen in the trailers because I can only assume that when Whedon was putting together the final thing, he was like, this doesn't fit anymore, this doesn't fit anymore, this doesn't fit anymore, this doesn't fit anymore, this doesn't fit anymore. I need to go back and film more Cyborg. <laughs> um, there's so much. that There was a lot of that movie that felt like a Whedon film, and there's a lot of that movie that felt like a Snyder film. It, it really was like this weird amalgamation of both styles. Um, because obviously Snyder shot it, uh, most of it. So, you know, but then the overall ebb and flow of the movie kind of felt like a Whedon film in comparison to the past two Snyder, uh, films in this universe. Well, I can tell you there's a little bit of deepness to that. Joss Whedon also had a credit for the screenplay of this movie. So with, you know, with that being said, it is possible that this movie had a lot more Joss Whedon in it before we even knew Joss Whedon had a bigger part to do in it. You know what I'm saying? 
Well, that's just what they decided to give him. Uh, I remember reading that. Oh, that's just the credit they settled on? Yes. Uh, Interesting. Because um, they were, the rumor was, the, you know, the you know, people talking, it's like, so is it going to be directed by both? Or is it going to be, like, directed by Snyder and then Whedon's going to have, like, an executive producer or producer role? Or what is this? And they, yeah, they gave him a screenplay role. So pretty interesting because we saw none of the, Young Cyborg stuff that was filmed. In fact, um, fellow that played Cyborg's dad, I can't remember his name, but the dude from Terminator 2. Yeah. Um, he said that a lot of the reshoots were there to change the tone of the Cyborg character. And uh, I think they might have done that to make him seem even less dark with his transformation. Uh so pulling up, if that if that is true, it then it, that's kind of cool because I kind of felt like this movie needed to be the movie that kind of broke away from the darkness. Yes, absolutely. BVS needed to be dark. It absolutely, I unheard, I actually believe that it, that movie needs to be dark. Also that's a true. Dark movie. It it's in a time where you know there's that there's like there's this shining ray of hope and you like try to slap it away like a cat that's afraid of a smell. You're like get away from me. I don't want you. And then when you have denied it and then you don't have it anymore, then the world seems even more bleak than it was before. And uh, this movie, I really felt like, um, not not considering Wonder Woman, because that's a whole different beast, uh, is the best movie of the collected universe for your uh, you have, you have for the DC movies here. Uh, I don't count Wonder Woman in that because obviously number one it's a I period piece. I still haven't seen it. Oh brother I'll get that to you. Like I'll get that to you tonight. We'll make that happen. You need to watch it. It's really good. It's not about not having access to it. It's time. I'm having time. <laughs> it's time I know. Well, maybe I still when haven't you're... watched Walking Dead. I still haven't watched Punisher. Oh, Jesus. Punisher. We're sorry about that one, folks. We're slipping on our game on that one. We need to give you well, guys some Punisher I, coverage. I would but. love to watch it. I would love to. But I've heard great things. Been, uh, same here. I've heard it's pretty good, but I have. It's, it's either I'm at work, I'm podcasting, I'm watching the kids. So, like, it's like we have been switching back and forth. We, like, the amount of time that me and her have had time to sit down together and watch something. By that time hits, it is nine o'clock in the evening. You're zonked, and I'm like, I am wanting to eat and go to bed, and I can eat pretty fast. <laughs> like, I only get thirty minutes for lunch at work, and I and you, I need to eat. You gotta scarf so it. I, I scarf it down. So a lot of times when it's getting late, I eat pretty fast, and then once I'm done eating, I might sit for about five to ten minutes. And then I'm getting ready, to, and I'm going to bed. And sometimes that's like nine thirty, and sometimes the the sheer process of me getting ready for bed can take another ten to fifteen minutes. So if I say so, like if we start it right at nine o'clock, and we started an episode, that means I'm going to be in bed maybe by ten thirty, maybe depending on time. As then. Mm-mm. Because that by the time I'm in bed, sometimes it takes me a half hour to fall asleep. That's eleven o'clock. That's five hours of sleep until my alarm goes off. Not nice. No. 
In a perfect world, I'm in bed at nine. It hasn't happened for a while. Yeah. For a long while. There, see, uh, back before Wyatt slept in his own bed, nine o'clock on the dot, I was in bed. It was amazing. I digress. This movie, Justice League, if I'm going out of ten, because that's what that's what I uh, I'm 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 gonna say I'm gonna do the same thing I did for BBS. BBS I gave the theatrical version a seven, and I upped it to seven five for the extended cut. That's and that's higher than most, but not as high as Wes. Wes gave that movie a nine. Okay, I want to try something. <clears throat> Wes gave BBS, a, I think he gave it like a nine point seven five, dude. It, it was, was up high. there. It was high. Yeah. I actually thought that's too high. <laughs> like I, the Menace movies got more issues than that. Like uh, to, to watch these superhero movies, sometimes I got to turn my brain off. Okay, here uh, in a second, if, when you tell me your number, I'm gonna put my number up on the screen to see if we have the same number, and then I'm gonna say it because I don't want people to think I'm just copycatting you. I have my number already right. written down. It's right here. All right, eight point four. Okay, so we didn't copy 8.25. And I could just make it an 8.5. Um, but I do feel like there's there were a few things in the movie that I, that I noticed that were, like, narratively done just to make stuff happen. And that... Sometimes that bugs me. Um... Namely, I mean, I'm just going to jump right to it. The, the spot that bugged me is when Steppenwolf got the last box. Yeah, just he got it. No worries. Everyone else well, is not paying attention to well, the box. They use the box for something that 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 we'll get to. Yep. Okay. Because I I, I kind of want to like make it to where like if you're listening to the show, obviously we're going to talk about the movie, so we're going to have spoilers. But I want to have a legit spoilers from here from here on in. Yeah. Uh, we're going but, spoiler free for a minute here, folks. But they use it for something, and then they just leave it to go take care of whatever they're doing, and then and then they get the spot where it's like, and he's like, he's got the last box. It's like, go stop him. Why is everyone just holding tight and doing nothing? You're superheroes, you fucks. Well, I mean, you're not even attempting. You're just, and then who's the goofball that didn't go after that? They have a guy. I don't know if you noted this or, or you know noticed this about the movie. I mean, it was a pretty short movie at two hours, so you might have missed it. They have a guy who can run really fast. I know, Brando. He was on my shoes. <laughs> I mean, he can run really fast. Some would he say he's the fastest thing. man alive. He could go get that thing on the way to the their to their problem. Nope. I mean, this is my biggest problem with the movie, So, which is I, I'm very happy to say. Yeah. I'm very happy to say that this is my biggest problem with the movie because, of course, in the movie, bad guys got to have the advantage so that way the good guys can like have the oh-no doomsday clock scenario. Hey. Wink. But you could have found it. <laughs> could have been. <laughs> it was just like. Yeah, we're just going to leave it there. Yeah. Fuck it. We oh, don't need it. it. Well, well, I mean, uh, yeah, he's got all of them now, so. <laughs> what, what, what can we do? 
Game over. And, and I, someone's like, hey, I, I, I can just imagine. Can you imagine being the guy, the one guy in the Justice League, you know? And, you know, I'm like, he he's going to get it. And I could just imagine them going, he's going to get it anyway. In the end of the world thing? Well, I mean, we're going to need motivation later, so... <laughs> They're clear. They're clearly setting our uh, setting us up to succeed in this scenario. Uh, one thing I will say about the movie Brando, I felt that while it was a really good movie, really well done, it was a little bit simplistic in the story. You know, I mean, like it was oh, just yeah. like very, very straightforward, and maybe back to basics is what they needed. But as I said earlier, when the Pitch Perfect three trailer is more complex than the entire Justice League movie. We, I don't, I don't know if that's a problem, but it's strange because I feel like you had a lot of opportunity to keep building these characters and could have made them do a little bit more diversifying their willingness to work together. This team just well, goes, okay, cool. Like they don't really fully one hundred percent believe in each other, but right away they're working together. Like one thing happens and they're all like, oh shit, we can totally work as a team now. Well, they are not quite that, but they're there. And I mean, I know Aquaman is a little bit shoddy there at, after at the least, first mission. At least they're assembled, you know. That and that's the thing is that when they start working together for the first time, that's when they're like, "Yeah, we're all here." Uh, and then they do something. And but then, but but it's not all sunshine, sunshine and roses because we even have, you know, budding of heads of like Bruce and Diana, and that is I thought that was really good. The the plot being simplistic is what this movie needed. 100%. Yeah. 100%. With how convoluted BVS gets. I mean, and, and that... Justice League is not without its plot holes. If you put on analysis mode, you could pick this movie apart. Pick it apart. And so this... You, you could just start writing out bullet points. You know, the thing is, is that what I want for my superhero movies, I, I want to be able to turn that part of my brain off. Because when you're reading a comic book, when you're when you're doing these characters, you got to have some suspension of belief. Absolutely, things happen, and the you know, and, and even and even with story, there are exceptions when stuff you know when you know when plot line is just done bad. BVS had a pretty bad plot line, a pro- plot line, especially number one, having a completely incompetent detective of a Batman. It was just. Oh my what? god! <laughs> and then in this movie, he figures out who Aquaman is right then and there from a painting on the wall. He's like, "Oh, you! Oh, you! Oh, it's oh, you! Oh, it's okay. you! Oh, duh! Obviously, it's you!" So I mean, it, your it's fucking like, weird eyes gave it away. I mean, was 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 Bruce just really that racist towards Superman? If you could say racist towards Superman, uh, or you mean Aquaman? Well, no, no, no. In BVS, how he was oh, like so dead set against Superman. He was I got like, you. I got he's an you. outsider. He's an alien. You know, get off my lawn. <laughs> Go back where you came from. I'm building a wall around Gotham. <laughs> no aliens. Now it's called Arkham City. Wink. Ah, hey. <laughs> uh, dude, this movie was awesome, but uh, simplistic in, in setup and tone. Uh, villains is completely 100% forgettable, but that's okay. You don't it is need okay to, have, to have a forgettable villain. I you don't need to have 
you it, it, it would benefit it if you had a better villain, yes. It definitely would give it a few notches up. But, I mean, there's not really that many other villains that would really take that role that would... That that you would really need the Justice League to unite against. Lex is one of them. Lex with the right plot is one of them, but you don't want to do that again. You just did it. So why would you like do that again? Obviously, you're you're tiptoeing towards Dark Side, but you don't want to do Dark Side yet. Not yet, because then who are they gonna fight next time? Starro. It, it just it that just so, That's legit. You know, that do, was the that was the first per- villain that the Justice League faced when they debuted was Starro. He's well, a giant starfish that? from outer space. Who's going? Well. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't ready for that. <laughs> the look it's on okay Brando's to- face. <laughs> the look on your face was priceless just then because you're just like, of course, it's just a starfish from outer space. <laughs> I was actually thinking of Misty from Pokemon throwing out a star. You or a star me? And uh, have you ever noticed that they really don't say their names, or they star you didn't? No. Like it just went, ha! <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they just kind of like yelled, ha! I thought it was fine as far as having a forgettable villain. He's there. He's this destroyer of worlds. He's there to mess stuff up. I've made this this comparison. When you set up the Avengers movie versus the Justice League movie, the bonus thing that the Avengers has is that these characters have been established. You already had a, you already had a Thor movie, so you already know who he is. You already had a Captain movie. You know who he is. Iron Man, you know who he is. Hulk had his own movie. It's a different actor, same character. You know who he is. You've even seen Nick Fury already. And Black Widow. Seen and Black Widow, Hawkeye's the only new guy. No, nah, he's in uh, uh, he's in Thor for a little bit. Briefly, you barely see him. Okay. 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 But the main villain's Loki with a stick and and he causes an alien invasion. It's wow. <laughs> cool. It's it, it, to me the first Avengers movie I felt like this movie was every bit as good as that while having more character development. Yeah, I agree with that. And But the reason why they have more character development is because they're just introducing like three new characters all at once. Abs- also where, true. Where they get sloppy is that with three new characters, they kind of chose to focus more on Cyborg and Flash, and Aquaman's kind of like has a little bit, and then he get it, doesn't have like an, like an, any at all towards the end. And... Uh, of course, because at that point, then they got to shift back because uh, of a certain uh, Crimtodian. Uh, man, I cannot talk. My lips are all like all over the place. It's cold back here, by the way. Kryptonian. I think I called him a Kryptodian. <laughs> a Kryptodian, <laughs> yes. Ribbit. It's a fucking battle toad. Um, so, yeah, they need to drive the plot over there for a little bit because it's because uh, bringing him back into the story, you've got to spend some time with him. You got to get like, well, what's he doing? What's going on? And th- and then of course, uh, there's plot lines there uh, to go through. But overall, a thumbs up on this movie. It was enjoyable. I was, I hate to say, I wasn't expecting it, but I I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was. And unfortunately, that's not being reflected in the critics. They're pretty. They're tearing this movie apart, but not 
as much as the other one. Have you seen the 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 percentage discrepancy on Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah, the percentage discrepancy is ridiculous because well, and then I, there's there's some controversy with Rotten Tomatoes too. I want to talk about there's a lot of little intricate parts to this Justice League thing going on. So the discrepancy is ridiculous because I want to say like critics are giving it like twenty five and under percentage, and then like user or viewers, you know, the fans are in the 75 up tier. And that's like a big, big, dis- I mean, that's a 50% gap or 50, you know, point gap. Uh, so that's one thing. I will say that there was a Rotten Tomato critic, like somebody who uses Rotten Tomatoes as a film critic to discuss what he thinks about films, who went to log in and uh, there was already a review from his account that he didn't write for the movie. And he was like, what is going on? Like, why would they do that? All right. So Justice League on Rotten Tomatoes. As I get an ad for three billboards. Of course. Is 41% fresh. So uh, BVS at 27. Yeah. Audience score is 83%. Okay. So I was six points off. Not bad. Um, And then... All right, let's go to IMDb and check out IMDb's percentage here because these could vary per, you know. Wow, is that a cat? <laughs> yeah, Ami just appeared on the podcast. What's up, Kitty? We're talking Justice League. All right, so uh, IMDb user rating gave this a 7.4. So like a one point down from where I put it. Metacritic. Let's go to Metacritic. The meta score from uh, from the uh, reviews, the critics, gave it a forty six. And if I go to Metacritic, because they, I want to say they also have a user score thing as well. Chris, that one is also like it, it, Metacritic and and some of these sites. It, it sometimes it's really hard to to believe this because like something like. Uh, Breath of the Wild that gets like all tens from everybody. The users will go, they'll downgrade it just to see it go down. Um, user score for Justice League here is a seven point one. That's all like respectable scores from the fans. Why are and, why are critics shitting on this movie so hard? So let's go to Batman v Superman. Batman v Superman gave this a a Metacritic what? What, what did I say that that Metacritic score was? 7.1 for, for Justice. Well, no, the actual critic score. Was that a... 43? 46. 46. BVS, the meta, the, the meta score based on 51 critics is 44 for BVS. What? And based on user score is 7.1. I don't think that's right because I think Justice League is leaps and bounds better than BVS. I think it is too, but what like what's up with these scores? Like I I don't remember like 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 that is like off to me. Like that seems like way freaking high from where that was when we talked about that movie. All right. What do you think, Brando? Should we dive into some actual spoilery parts of this movie and and get into some of the the thickness of this film? So I'm going to Rotten Tomatoes again because I'm like, what did you guys give Batman v Superman? Obviously, you guys didn't give this damn thing of like, like anywhere near that. Yeah, yeah, like you couldn't have Rotten, like Rotten Tomatoes hated that movie. While Brando's doing this looking upage, I need to go on my soapbox real quick because 
Nate needs to eat a little bit of crow right now. This is apologetic Nate saying to Ezra Miller, I'm sorry I said you would never be the Flash and that you couldn't be the Flash and fuck you, you're not my Flash. While you are no Grant Gustin, sir, you are still great and it was a very, very, very fun thing to watch you perform as Barry Allen in the movie, kind of relive the early goings of Barry after his father's been thrown in jail not too far after he's gotten all of his new powers and abilities. he I will say if they are doing anything like the comics, they gave him the wrong color lightning, in my opinion, would be the only thing I would complain about. He shouldn't already be at blue lightning if he just got his powers. He should be more at a yellow uh, lightning because he's still learning to use his powers. That's just me critiquing. Overall, though, I really did sincerely think Ezra Miller did a great job. He was comedic, funny. He was one of the better parts of this movie. Uh, he just he gave the movie a comedic levity that helped you feel like you were in something that was a little bit more real, and it wasn't just this over-the-top superhero fantasy. He reminded me uh, like a mixture of the animated series Flash and, like, what Spider-Man is to the Marvelverse. Absolutely. With a younger character, he's very kind of immature, very overwhelmed by the fact that he's hanging out with Batman. <sighs> you know? That's your sign! Oh, <laughs> that's your sign! It means we have to go! <laughs> yes, well, <laughs> it does mean we have to go. The only The only joke that I didn't like was, it's like a cave. A bat cave. <laughs> yeah, that one didn't land with me because I didn't was... like that. But then I liked how he was zooming all around the cave, looking at shit, and then and then he's in the car. He's like, "Whoa, oh, <laughs> like, this is amazing." <laughs> I like that because I mean, I mean, Batman in this universe has been around for twenty years. He's a kid. He's he's grown up in Central City, but like, he's he knows who Batman is. He's so heard of him. So as soon as Bruce throws that bat orang at him, yeah, yes, yes, that look. Of course, that's the trailer. Like, it's like it looks back at him. Oh shit! That's Batman. That's Batman, and he just told me he's Batman. Why me? You know. <laughs> and, then and then he's Bruce eating is that like, day old pizza. Yeah, he's like, you're fast. Bruce is like, you're fast. He's like, I think that's an oversimplification of my powers. <laughs> I, I I dug the Flash a lot in this movie. I liked how he he like when the when their when their first meetup with Steppenwolf was going to happen, and he instantly got scared because yeah. that's exactly what he would do. He's like, he's not a hero, you know. Like this is his first time ever doing anything like this, really. Actually, using his shit for good, or using his shit to do something and accomplish something, and so when it's like he's like, "No, no, I'm not like you guys. No, I'm just a kid. I don't fight people. I'm not a fighter." And then I love that. I I actually really liked the line from Batman. It's like, "Save one person." It was a great, absolutely a great thing for Batman to say to him because it was like the perfect. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It was the perfect amount of leadership that gave Barry the confidence to realize if he saved one person, he could probably save two, 
which means he could probably save 15 or 30 or however many people he ends up saving uh, down there, which was awesome. That was a really great moment there. And then, of course, all hell breaks loose. And, uh, you know, at, during during the Steppenwolf fight, which is only with the five of them, it's uh, Bat, or it's the four of them. It's Batman, Cyborg, Wonder Woman, and Flash. Mm-hmm. And Batman's got the crawler. And they're fighting Steppenwolf, and it's a lot. And most of it is him like really calling shit out on Wonder Woman and talking about how he just slaughtered a bunch of the Amazonian women and just got that mother box and and really rubbing it in her face. Uh, and then he breaks the wall because they're like kind of resisting him and they're starting to kind of figure their shit out. So he breaks the wall, which releases the water. And as soon as they from release Gotham the water Harbor. from Gotham Harbor, correct. Uh, I was like, oh, somehow, some way, here comes Aquaman, and sure as shit, boom. The one time he really used his water power in the whole movie, if you noticed, mm-hmm. like really used it, was to hold that water back. And then, of course, there's the whole uh, dress like a bat. I dig it, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I liked uh, from him the spot that I liked the most was probably the the lasso of truth. Oh yeah, when uh, when Diana it, has the lasso around him and he's just like it's near the it's near the end of the movie, and they're all like saying like all this stuff, and then he's kind of like the downer like of the group, and he's like, "We're all gonna die. I don't care. I'm I'm okay with dying." And you know he he's trying to be the badass, and then it, it's almost instant because then it's like, "Yeah, I don't want to die." <laughs> he goes. <laughs> And then he's like, oh, talking about like, like the group and everything. And you, then you're hot. And then Bruce is like pointing, and he realizes the lasso's on his leg, <laughs> and he's like embarrassed and goes to Flash. He's like, "You say anything." <laughs> uh, I actually also really liked the cyborg character in this movie, Brando. You know what? As as kind of plain Jane is like personality wise as he is, I dug him. Because he's almost kind of like, he's the one of the group that sees his uh, powers or his his whole situation. Like, this is not his gift. It's a curse. And he's got to kind of go through that motions in this movie of, of accepting this as a gift. Yeah, and he's ever learning. I think that was a really cool thing, too. During the movie, he's constantly evolving his knowledge. And it's noticeable. He's like, oh, your crawler that's broke as shit right now, Bruce? Give me a second. Let me take it over. Got it handled. Mm-hmm. Oh, this well, needs to be taken like, care of. Let me lock in. He, well, it, he he's so resistant of his of his abilities, and it's like he's he's scared of all this new knowledge that he's getting in all the time. And so I don't think that he 100% like really like embraces it. And But those moments that he does, it's like he just knows what to do. Absolutely. The moment that the moment that he that he lets all that in and like, you know, he really rises to the uh, to the occasion. Really cool moment. Okay, and and I and I and I'm I'm kind of yeah. We've been skipping around just a little bit, but uh, of course I have always said that the Avengers movie, the whole movie was made for one scene, and that's the scene of them in the middle of New York with that. Matrix camera going around the group, panning around as they're all like standing in a circle. Well, like the the end shot of this movie's got to be all of them standing in a row, 
with the wind blowing in the capes, you know? Oh, it's awesome. It's got to be. But what's cool is, is that earlier on in the movie, like Flash and Cyborg do something and Flash tries to fist bump him. Cyborg just leaves them hanging and Flash feels like an idiot. But but when they're standing up there doing that line with the wind blowing, there's there's the fist bump. And finally the two characters fist bump. And I, I like that little touch because it's not even like overly noticeable, but it's there right off to the side of the screen where if you're, because if you're looking over there at like Aquaman and Batman, you're like, you're not paying attention, but those two characters, they just ever so slightly like, yeah, we got this, you know? And then finally they've, uh, They've kind of got they got to that level, and uh, I, I really dug that. Now we're gonna go, and they they showed the the background. Spoiler alert! The ba- we should well, spoiler alert from now on officially, right? Sure. We still yeah, haven't like really super oh, dove into anything that's important. I thought I thought well, okay, because I thought you said spoilers already, but from this point on, so. When the plot for Steppenwolf got explained, uh, we saw flashbacks of the old battle with the Amazonians, the Atlanteans, the and human humans. clans, and the Lantern Corps. So we saw fucking lanterns sweeping around with with the fucking ring turning into a fucking hammer, smashing through mo- like motherfuckers, and we it all, looked badass. We saw the death of a lantern and the yep. and the ring fly off, which I'm gonna s- presume. Um, doesn't go to Hal Jordan. It's way too early in the timeline. Uh, but it's setting up the history that the Lantern's rings can go and do their own thing, that they're almost sentient in themselves. So, yeah, I marked out big for that because, like, we all knew that we weren't getting Hal Jordan, John Stewart, anything, anybody, or even the core. We, we knew we weren't getting that in this movie unless they were just being so tight-lipped about it. But to see that they have been not only acknowledged in that one trailer by saying, "Yeah, you know, Earth is defenseless; it doesn't have anybody now." No, you know, no, and they he names drops like like the lanterns. Well, now we know for a fact that they zix because we've seen them and know that they're going to be coming at some point. That that you know that they're that they're going to be put in, like into this universe. Now, I. I kind of liked how simplistic it was just by showing us what had happened and then showing how the three boxes got separated with man's box being buried. Uh, Ad- Atlantis was uh, eventually sunk down in the ocean, you know, like underwater. And then, of course, the Amazonians, they had theirs. Seven Wolf's back now. He's going to try and unite the boxes and, like, use it to destroy the planet. All right, so that means we got to stop them. Yada, 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 unite everybody. Got to do all this kind of stuff. Now, uh, after their encounters, encounter, really, with Steppenwolf, you know, that's when Bruce kind of comes up with this idea. It's, it's, you know what's weird? It was an idea that I didn't even think about. Like, I didn't even put it together that that's what they could do. And maybe that's because I was a little bit blatantly ignorant to Victor Stone's backstory with how the mother box brings him back to life and how that affects him. Uh, but this idea that Bruce has is uh, one that could definitely rip the team in half if it goes wrong. No pun intended. Well, I liked it because it was so different 
in theory for you know how they did the death of superman storyline in bvs somehow found a way to cram that in there and then so we go into this movie with superman being dead so so we have to get superman back and in the and if, in the comics he wakes up you know i was only sleeping you know wakes up with a mustache I'm telling you man just leave the mustache leave it let Superman be a porn star for a little bit. That's cool. It was uh, it was too obvious, Brando. If we're going to get into that mustache for a second, it was like kind of bad how obvious it was. Like, look, I get it if you're CGIing a whole character because they might not exist anymore or they might be on the cusp of death or not look like they used to or whatever. This was just con- like contracts and stupidity is what I want to call it, you know? Because Henry Cavill has a contract that says, can't shave this mustache because you're doing this movie because we don't want to give you a prosthetic mustache because that looks like shit on your face. So then Joss gets a hold of Justice League and is like, shit, we got all these reshoots now and I have these ideas and I got to find a way to maybe introduce Shazam. We're going to talk about that Easter egg in a second. And uh, what are we going to do here? How are we going to utilize these reshoots? What can we do? Oh my God, Henry Cavill has a fucking mustache we can't get rid of. We can't prosthetics over it. It'll look even worse. So, <laughs> so maybe we'll maybe we'll CGI it. You end and up it was covering it with makeup, like like uh, um, like Caesar Romero, from, yeah, Caesar Romero, uh, Joker's from like the old sixties television show where you just put the white makeup over it. But now you're just putting flesh color makeup over it. Oh God. It, it looked bad. It was noticeable. But I'm pretty sure that the first scene of the movie, which is a scene from a a, a, a cell phone is Billy Bastion, who has become Shazam in the future. And he's wanting to get an interview for his podcast. That was cool. It was like, uh, you know, podcasts have finally got the mark. Uh, it made it perfectly. Hold on, time out one second, folks. I just want to say, Sarah, thank you so much. She's bringing me food and a pop during the podcast because I haven't eaten today yet. So um, I'm really appreciative of that. And back to the regularly scheduled program. Anyways. Sarah's the JIC MVP. She is the JIC MVP. Shit. She was there. She saw Justice League. She thought it was okay, but a little too simplistic. Hmm. Uh, but Henry Cavill stash, Brando, what did you think of this stash of obviousness? I really didn't notice it. <laughs> it's, it's funny because with how much you noticed it was how much I really didn't even pay attention uh, to that at all. Okay, so you I was gotta, actually go ahead. I was actually sucked into the movie at this point. I was like more like I was more uh, kind of keeping track of what was going on. It was one of those things, Brando, where because I'm partially deaf, I read people's lips a lot just to make sure I'm like trying to get the most out of hearing what they're saying. So I'm immediately looking at his lips, and I'm just like, wait a minute, this is kind of fucking weird. Is this a video game? Is this like a teaser for, oh, it's actually the movie, holy shit. But you know what? It wasn't terrible. It wasn't ridiculously noticeable and ended the whole movie for me. It is something we have to talk about because they did spend $1.5 million to remove Henry Cavill's mustache when all you had to do is join Dollar Shave Club and then save $1.499 million. You know what I'm saying? We are not sponsored by Dollar Shave Club, but if they would like to sponsor our podcast, I'm just saying. Prime, prime promo there. That was a great promo, shit. 
I need to switch chairs because, dude, I'm sitting in like this like WWE style like still chair, and because I, I I had to bring a, a different chair in here for when we did uh, the episode with about Stranger Things, dude. This thing is like like pushed into my butt and it hurts. Yeah, switch it up, bro. That's gonna, uh, that's the best thing you can do as I eat my food so terribly on the podcast. Sarah made this delicious like rice with veggies. It's like got garlic and potato and mushroom and broccoli and mm, maybe some cheese, maybe some cauliflower. No, there's no cauliflower, but there's definitely cheese and rice. It's uh, cheese and rice. Cheese and rice. Jesus Chrysler. <laughs> <laughs> that's an old reference folks that no one's gonna get uh oh, dude i i say that at work sometimes and people look at me like well that's pretty uh it's pretty clever and i'm like oh okay <laughs> I, w- I wish i came up with it this makes me giggle sometimes yeah man so to c- kind of continue on i loved wonder woman in the movie obviously she was great the story is kind of convoluted because it's like so quickly Steppenwolf gets all three mother boxes. Like he blows through the Amazonians. He goes and fights Mara. And uh, then Aquaman shows up and puts up a hell of a fight, honestly. He just gets overwhelmed. The mother box gets taken. You've also got to assume that Bruce is mostly to blame for the Parademon showing up because he's instilling all this fear in Gotham and Parademons feed on fear. So then he starts utilizing that to draw them out. And he's like kind of mm-hmm. figuring out Lex's plan. He's trying to figure out this overall plan. Maybe Lex was gonna like bring Steppenwolf back to cleanse the earth or something. I just feel like that's weird. But I you know, they did a good job. They unite at the end of the movie, they kick Steppenwolf's ass handily. Cyborg teams up with Superman to tear the mother boxes apart. Uh, Flash, Batman, and or Superman and Cyborg. I thought you said Steppenwolf and Superman. Shit, Cyborg and Superman (laughs) tear the mother boxes apart. Steppenwolf's like, dude, I, 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 I'm so sorry. One scene I want complete dick for the last thousand years. So we haven't actually alluded to it yet. Let's actually talk about this because I'm just talking about Superman a little bit, and I realize we haven't told people like how that even works. So since we're in the spoiler land. Uh, they utilize the mother box, Bruce's plan. That's where we were originally at before we got tangential. Uh, Bruce's plan with the mother box is, hey, we're going to bring Superman back. Like, that's smart, right? We can just resurrect him. That's There's no biggie there. And it actually takes them planning together to make this happen, you know? Like, they've got to utilize mm-hmm. the Flash to get the lightning at the exact moment. And, you know, they're they're kind of all in wait, and they're not really sure what's going to happen. And, of course, all hell literally breaks loose as soon as Superman gets brought back to life. Uh, in that moment, he wants to kill Bruce, I think. Absolutely, dude. Um, there's not much that he, like, his mind is pretty fractured. Uh, which I I thought was a pretty cool thing because then 
you have this absolute like on the fringe Superman with all this power, all this ability, ready to tear some shit up. And uh, one of my favorite uh, moments, me and Blaine gushed about this, was when they're trying to hold him back, right? And Flash is going to try and run around him. And Flash is running, and he's they're doing that little effect they do in the movie that they where like where they slow down time because he's running so fast. And you see Superman's eye just catch him. He's following him, and then he's going, "What?" <laughs> like he's realizing that that Superman is following him. Superman's and, fast <laughs> as fuck. And it, <laughs> it got it kind of flips him out. Superman breaks free of. of of the rest of the group and swings at flash doesn't hit him. Flash was able to kind of overcorrect himself, but then he ends up like running into something. I, I can't remember if that was like a step or I think he doesn't, he run into uh he trips and runs into the Memorial, the Superman Memorial. That's okay. Over there. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, I couldn't remember if it was a step server the Memorial, but yeah, when he sees Bruce, that's the first thing that he sees that he absolutely recognizes because it, it's that symbol that, instilled so much emotion in him so close to before his death. It's one of the last things that he remembers. He barely knows Diana. I, you know, also I mean, he only teamed that. up with them for a second. Uh, I, I loved the, the uh, like, like the headbutt scene where like she's trying to stop him and I believe he headbutts her and then she headbutts him and then he puts her ass right in the damn ground. Oh, yeah. Boom. I have to say that I I really love this newest iteration of Superman, and I'm not the biggest Superman fan. It was much I better. Love, well, like n- just in this universe, just in this universe, I, I I really I really dig their caricature of Superman, and and I love what they're doing with him on film, uh, and what they're capable of doing and making him seem like this badass. You normally don't think of Superman as a badass. He's a, he's this altruistic uh, character, you know. It's like, take Captain America, but you don't see Captain America doing this kind of stuff. You, I mean, like, this is some, like, this is some serious, like, serious Hulk shit here that he has the power of. And so then he finally gets his hands on Bruce. And, and of course, like, they made the joke earlier when Alfred was like trying to, he's pretty much disagreeing with Bruce saying, you're really going to do this. You know, like what are we going to do if it doesn't work? And if he goes, you know, all hell goes wire. He goes, we have big guns. He goes, those are some big guns, sir. (laughs) But, and I love how I love the guns that he chooses because it's Lois. Yes. And it was perfect because Bruce is getting the shit choked out of him. And it looks like it is done for, lights out, game over, Bruce no more. And Lois steps out of the car, Alfred driving her. And it was, uh, you know, Clark immediately realizes who it is. It immediately kind of brings him back and grounds him in reality. Like, oh wait, oh wait, oh wait, hold on. I'm not filled with this rage. I'm not thinking about whatever being dead was like it's uh it was it was actually really kind of a beautiful moment cuz he f- takes her away and they go back to the farmhouse where Clark grew up 
And that she, got repossessed by the bank. Which was repossessed by the bank. And then she's like, you know, you remembered. And he's like, you know, I'll, I'll never forget home. And I loved, and that's a subplot that was really good in this movie that I, I haven't talked about enough, is the subplot about Clark's parents' house. Because this is almost an eye for an eye, writing a wrong kind of thing when the movie is ending and Bruce doesn't buy the house. He, he surpassed just being a nice guy and just buying the house for Clark. That would have been a lot cheaper, I think. He just bought the whole fucking bank. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, the fact that Bruce used Lois to counteract Superman's rage, uh, memory loss, inability, whatever, is, dude, that, dude, that's right out of the comics. They, and it's also evident in one of my favorite Batman stories, Hush. Yes. He put uh they put Lois in danger to break Superman out of his spell. And then he runs off to save Lois when she's in danger, effectively breaking the spell. It, that's not the same thing here, but it but it's used to the same effect. And I really dug it that it, it makes it's <laughs> it's giving you the sense that super that Batman really has his, his shit about him. Which is the exact opposite message that we had from BBS, where he's just he's running off of his emotions. Absolutely. One, you know, one thing I also loved about this scene here and what's going on is they did not spend Brando. They did not spend a lot of time with Clark and Lois reminiscing and oh my god, I love you and miss you. He's like, well, they fucking need me. Gotta go. And she's like, yeah, right. they they need you. You better get going. You know, like I love Gave you. I'm happy you're good. It, they, you know, they gave him just enough time for for his mom to show back up in that ratty ass truck that she has. Yes. Now, a guy from a guy that I work with brought this up to me. He goes, "You know, Superman died saving the world, and his mom lost the house, and no one thought to put up a GoFundMe." That's not the world they live in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it, it's funny, though. In that it, timeline, like, there's no GoFundMe, Brando. <laughs> there's no GoFundMe. It was like, like, dude. <laughs> uh, and another thing here, all right, here's something that, that has been brought up. So, uh, end of the movie, you know, Clark is there at the house. They're they're kind of rebuilding or they're uh, they're repairing the house. They're, there's new furniture. They're getting moved in. Of course, Bruce is there now, you know, uh, Bruce having, as you said, bought the bank that foreclosed on the house. So uh, how are they going to explain Clark's death? Because they had a funeral for him. He had a gravestone. There was an obituary in the Daily Planet. That's a great question, Brando. I'm guessing he's going to be off the grid. Maybe he won't work with the Daily Planet. Maybe ah. he was walking around Metropolis in the Clark Kent getup. That's true. Okay, so that's a plot hole. That is definitely a plot hole. Okay, I didn't even see. That's one I didn't even think about. And it's just like, that's just something that, you know what? Turn my brain off. I'll accept it. But it's like... There's only I, I one way to reverse that. If he's going to work for the Daily Planet, that means that everybody 
Perry White and Co. have to know who he really is. Or at least Perry White has to know, and then they have to say that it wasn't really super. It wasn't really Clark Kent. It was his twin brother that died, and it was a great mistake or some shit, you know. But like, <laughs> I feel like Perry White has to know. You know, we don't have Jimmy Olsen in this universe anymore, Brando. I, I for a second, I I tried to be a smartass and tried to do the whole like, you know, re- reversing the the letters. Yeah, spoonerism. Um, like, yeah, for Clark Kent. Clark Clint? Well, I mean, if you just take, like, the first letter from each of his names. It's still Clark Kent. I know. <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. So you would have to take the 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 Clark Clint. <laughs> but then that sounds racist. Why does that sound racist? It sounds like, an, like, a, like, like a very poor, uh, like a, like this poor Asian fellow who can't speak English very well. Clark Clint. Yes. <laughs> oh, and, shit. And, and 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 the white chi. Um sooner sooner or later we're gonna have uh Tyler on this show because he's made, he's running the entire journey in the comics network gamut. He told me about this story about about uh working at Penn Station and these uh, Japanese guys that come in from the company that I work for and uh, would come in for lunch once a week and always get the same thing. And they, I, they, please excuse me, guys. I'm just gonna, you know, the I'm gonna have to mimic their tone and their and their uh, way of talking. But the following is an impersonation and does not reflect impersonation. Our views on I'm any not. People. I'm not trying to make fun of anybody, but um, he wanted the Philly cheesesteak with the white cheese, and so he, he's going. Do you want white cheese or light cheese? Yes. <laughs> of course. <laughs> He's like, all right. Do you want mayo, mustard, or pizza sauce? Yes. <laughs> Choose one, please. Dude, dude, they put all three of them on there. <laughs> oh, my God, really? <laughs> yeah. Um. And he said he never really quite knew what he wanted, so sometimes he'd give him two slices of cheese, and other times he'd give him four, and the dude never said anything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if he's not going to complain about it, he's just going to eat whatever he's going to fucking eat. Oh, man. But then it just dawned on me, like, I actually like the Penn Station Philly cheesesteak, and... I just couldn't imagine getting it with mayo, mustard, and pizza sauce. That's an awful combination. Oh, gross. <laughs> Nasty. Um, so um, we get Superman back, and, of course, uh, our heroes are off to save the day. And Superman shows up, you know, right in the nick of time, of course. Always. Drops the, drops the justice line. Hokey, but needed. Perfect. Um, I loved when they established the fact that they have innocent civilians here by focusing on this, on this one, uh, family and an entire They're, alleged apartment complex. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying is that I love it because, uh, while they're fighting Steppenwolf, Superman hears that there's innocent civilians. I think Batman says like flashes on it or something. Yep. And ba- Superman says there's too many of them. So then 
he he takes off and Flash is running and then Superman's catching up to him. And he, and he looks at him and then Flash is given the whole, like that same look uh that that he gave him whenever he first caught his eye. The how's he doing that look? And 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 then he's like and then Superman says slowpoke. <laughs> I dug that, and then they started talking about like we need to save people, and Superman's like I got the ones on the right, and then Flash finds that family and their truck that broke down, pushes the truck to safety. You know he's like really proud of himself. He looks over and there's Superman carrying a whole building full of people, an entire fucking <laughs> building. <laughs> Dude, uh, some of the attempts at humor kind of fell flat in this movie, but when they got it right, it was good. Um, Absolutely agree that. That tells me that you know this movie throughout everything had all the recipe that it needed to be uh, for a really good movie, and uh, then of course you know uh, of course they ended up beating the day. They end up beating Steppenwolf, smashing his axe. We don't know what happened to Steppenwolf because he got he got assaulted by the Parademons because because they sensed his fear. And that and had to be a major amount of fear, man. His only weapon that he's been pillaging with just got devastated. <laughs> and uh, so then he ends up um, getting beamed up um, by Scotty and the Enterprise. Uh, back up to wherever he's going. He's bringing a whole bunch of parademons with him. And then, uh, yeah, dude, our, our, our movie kind of comes to a close. We had two after-credit scenes, one mid-credit, one after-credit. I actually, like, right before the movie was ending, I was, trying, I was trying to look up to see if there were one because, you know, DC isn't really, like, known for doing that. No, they aren't. But uh, why not? Just go ahead and do it because I liked both of them. Yeah, and before we talk about the two after credit scenes, I want to mention that the end of the movie ends on Bruce, Diana, and Alfred. Oh, at at, at Wayne Manor because Bruce has been living in the in, in the uh, in the lake house. And, Correct. Uh, this the, the, this is one of the scenes that they reshot or you know whatever with them walking into into the like the, the destroyed and decrepit Wayne Manor. And Bruce is talking about like redoing the place and having a big round table with six chairs, and with Diana room says, to expand, and, and with with room for more. And of course, they're talking about turning Wayne Manor into the Hall of Justice. It's like holy shit, that's kind of cool because it's a different take. It is a different take, but it kind of makes sense. It's like, would you put the Hall of Justice in the middle of Metropolis? No, kind of, kind of not in this world. But when you have a building that's not being used, and it's right connected to to like like to Wayne and all that stuff, nobody goes out there. You know, why not? It's a have perfect be a space. Me- not only is it a central meetup, but then the Bat Cave is right around the corner. So if they need to go down there to check out something, it's you know it's, it's there. It's it just, I thought it was really cool. Uh, so. Uh, we're, let's talk about the post after credit scenes. There's a mid credit scene that we didn't need. I totally am kind of flustered that they wasted this, and I'll explain because this has already been done on TV. The scene, who's the fastest of the two? 
you know, uh, they did on Supergirl in the first uh, the first time they had a CW crossover with the CBS show when Supergirl was on CBS still and Flash was still in its second season, I think. Uh, you know, yeah, it was second season because he opened up the portal to the different Earth and then goes in there. Car and Barry race to figure out who's faster, you know? And then this was the exact same thing, but it was Barry and Clark. And uh, I will will say I loved how they did it, though. Well, see, like, for me being someone who completely completely boycotts television, uh, I really enjoyed it. Well, yeah, like I said, it was it was well done. I just was like thinking, just like man, like they could have done something different. But I'm not gonna complain about it because, like I said, I really enjoyed how they did it. I love the the flash, you know, sparks the little firecracker and throws it, and then as soon as it cracks, boom, they're gone, off to the races. Barry's facing the wrong direction at first. <laughs> yeah, because of course he is. Um, but then that brings us to the very, very, very end. And of course, it uh, brings us to somebody who we got told originally got cut from the movie. Yeah, and uh, but, was it, but was in the after credit, and we're talking about Lex Luthor as makes a, an appearance here. Of course, they start off in the penitentiary where he where you last saw him at the end of BBS, and uh, they're calling for the inmates to leave the cell. Lex isn't leaving a cell. The dude stops down there to get him, and it's not Lex. It's some other bald dude just laughing maniacally at him because and he's been then, poisoned. And then we get you know a cut to what I presume is Gotham Harbor or somewhere in between Gotham Metropolis. There's a big old yacht. There's a boat heading there, and uh, of course Lex is on the yacht, but somebody else joins him. Nate. Oh man, that was a dope fucking moment. For oh, sure. dude. I mean, this was it, man. Fucking Deathstroke steps off steps off the little speedboat onto the yacht, walks up, and has a conversation with with uh, with Lex. Unmasks. Yeah, he unmasks, you know, and holy shit. Slade like, Wilson is an old man in this universe, which makes sense. Perfect sense, perfect for the timeline. Mm-hmm. Uh seems like he's gonna be a hired gun for Lex. To yep. maybe form the um, what do they call that? The Legion of Doom. The Legion of Doom. What a rush! And <laughs> what a rush, dude! That's got me so excited. And I just read the other day that they're having a Deathstroke movie. Really? Yeah, and so I always thought that Deathstroke was the villain for the new Batman movie. Yeah. Which is where I thought they were going with this. Isn't that what they were doing? Didn't uh, Affleck share footage of him as that exact Deathstroke? Yeah, so one would assume that, but it looks like they're going to be doing something more with the character if they're still doing that. So he's going to get his own standalone movie, for which I say, uh, in, a, in a different way, okay, uh, I'm not saying that you do it just to copy, because obviously you there this is apples and oranges, but I think he could be their rated R movie. Makes sense. It would make sense to make it rated R. He's a total more, badass. He's got the katanas and the guns, and it's similar more to- More violence. 
Yeah, more violence. Uh, it would be less comedic and gross in that way, like how Deadpool was, and more on the violent right. tone, more uh, Punisher, let's say. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, but that's got me really excited. And then, of course, after all that, we talked about what's going on with Affleck again, because is this new news? Is this old news? That's new news. Uh, that is not known, because it kind of sounds like to me that back when they were having the 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 question of commitment with Affleck is it, it the I feel like this is where this story takes place and not and that it's just breaking out now because somebody opened their mouth and said something. Well, Matt Reeves said he's expressed interest in Jake Gyllenhaal replacing Ben Affleck if Affleck steps down. Now, does that mean that uh, he was just Matt Reeves was just having his ducks in a row and preparing? So if that happens, he has his man, or is this him slipping up and saying maybe that Batfleck has said he's done? And there's actually a couple rumors I want to throw your way that I've heard recently uh, in regards to all of this, you know? All right, so from what I read, somebody else said that Reeves has said that. Ooh. So... Reeves hasn't come out and said this to anybody other than to this person and this it's almost like the Casey Affleck thing all over again. It's like somebody else who knows somebody involved with it has said something and they shouldn't have said nothing. And so what I personally feel like and and, and maybe I'm wrong, but I personally feel that we are in a situation where we had all that stuff in the summer about there being questioned, right? Affleck's future in this. And then he kind of come out and said, no, 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 I'm in. And then he signed a three-picture deal. Um, I think as of right now, he's safe. He's definitely going to make the first one. I feel like he's definitely going to make that first one. Okay? I agree with that. Um, But I bet they had to actually sit down and discuss the possibility of what are we going to do with the project if Affleck backs out after Justice League. And I bet you, like, dude, you have to talk about names. And I guarantee you that's what got brought up. And I, and the, and the whole the reason why why his name is being talked about is because he was a favorite of Reeves. But that doesn't mean that as of November, whatever it is, when that story came out, that Reeves is like, I want Jill and Hall in case he backs out. Why would well, he be talking about that now? Well, because Affleck's already signed the deal. That's true. That is true. But, uh, you know, uh, one thing we should talk about with Justice League, the numbers. It was projected Justice League would end with a $96 million opening weekend, the lowest DCEU opening weekend. However, it's worse. It only opened at $94 million. So they lost $2 million in transit. Uh, it did well overseas. I think it did like almost hundred and. Fifty-seven million or something like that overseas, but right now it's tracking to lose, you know, and that's unfortunate. Is that going to affect Ben Affleck's want to do more of these movies? And it doesn't mean that if Jake Gyllenhaal takes over, he would be Bruce Wayne. That's one thing we have to remember. There are other Batmans they could put into play here if they choose to go the Ben Aff or to, if they choose to go the Jake Gyllenhaal route. If Ben Affleck leaves. Yeah, I mean, you could do Grayson, you could do, you could even do Jason Todd, not in a way. 
What about okay. uh, Beyond? Was that Bruce Tim? Uh, that was uh, yeah, that was Tim Bruce, but that was Terry Tim McGinnis. Bruce. Tim Bruce. <laughs> Bruce Tim. Um, uh, yeah, that was Terry. I Terry's young though. I mean, Terry's like a teenager. Yeah, I guess so, that's true. I mean. Yeah, I I really don't know. Uh, I I know that we talked about the other day them possibly stopping production on this universe after Aquaman. I don't think it's going to happen because we already got Wonder Woman in development. We got a Flash in development. They're already too into this. We have another Suicide Squad happening. Flash had a big announcement that happened this week for the movie. Batman confirmed is a part of Flashpoint. Yes. Which means Negan is Batman. Please, please make it happen. Don't recast him. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the don't recast him theme? Please, please make it happen. Don't recast him. I I, do. Because I could definitely see, like, I mean, it, it really was a throwaway role, really at the end of the day for Jeffrey D. Morgan to play, you know, like, you know, uh, if this happens, Tom Wayne, but if this happens, does that make him like the Stan Lee of the DC verse? Cause he will have played comedian and Batman and Bruce Wayne's father, Thomas Wayne. And then if you're getting really trippy into comics, he's Negan. Like what? A nice little segue there about the comedian. Cause we're going to talk about, Doomsday Clock. Yes. Now, uh, I, I read it just today. Um, it came out today. I loved it. It was amazing. Dude, like, I was skeptic because I didn't know how it was going to read. Because you have, I mean... You're talking about involving the Watchmen into the overall DC-verse. The fucking book reads like the Watchmen. Yes, it does. It felt very much a Watchmen book first. And I loved it. Holy crap. So, like, this book is a... It's... As much as as it's a crossover... It is a sequel to the Watchmen book. And Rorschach is back, but it's not Rorschach. I'm wondering who it is. Um, It's a new Rorschach. Now, I actually just pulled up an article. Whoa, we were talking. I, 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 and Jeff Johns explains Rorschach's return. Okay, please do. So it's a long-ass article. But here's a quote from uh, from Johns. He says, "Much like Watchmen, there are there's another Night Owl, there's another Silk Spectre. In my mind, there can be another Rorschach. It also pres- preserves what I think is one of the best moments in the original Watchmen is his death. But the character is so iconic and his voice is so iconic that I wanted to do a different version of it. Um, the the the, the original Watchmen cast was also." Uh, predominantly white, and John said they, there was this consent. There was a conscious effort to bring diversity to the story, but there's more to it than that. Explaining that his race ties a lot into other things into the story. Uh, 
He's also pointed out that, that another new character, the mime, is Hispanic. So, uh, the new Rorschach uh, moves, looks, sounds like Rorschach. Reads um, like Rorschach. Holy shit. Um, so, it's basically, as of right now, until like the story possibly like reveals more, he, it's just a new dude who has kind of taken up the mantle of Rorschach and really just like become that character. Um, Hard selling whereas, that he is the Rorschach. Um, because I actually like that because that way, you know, when people look at this and go, they brought back Rorschach, what the fuck, he died. It's not Rorschach, it's Rorschach. <laughs> Uh, we're still getting Rorschach without undoing what the original book did. Because that immediately when I I was thinking about what they're going to do with that, and I'm like, well, I was thinking that they're going to do some timey-wimey thing, but no. Manhattan bringing him back? Something. Uh, Not out of the question, but I, I, I actually really like how the book read, and it's narrated by Rorschach for most of it. And, of course, uh, pretty much the whole world is going to hell in a handbasket after the New York incident with with uh, uh, with Ozymandias. Yeah, 300, 300 million dead? Three million. Three million dead. My fault. Yeah, you added a couple zeros to that, my friend. A little a excited there. But, uh, yeah, a lot of people dead. He, he's, he's a wanted man. And... Uh, I I and of course he's trying to get um Rorschach is working for Ozymandias because he's like hanging out in Night Owl's base. OG Watchman style. Mm-hmm. And uh what's her name? The Marionette? Yep, Marionette and the Mime. They're new characters. Yeah. And uh, he wants their help. Uh, to bring the God back. I can only assume they're talking about Dr. Manhattan. Yeah, they bring um, up that God is Dr. Manhattan. And uh, so then we also flash over and we get to see Clark, you know, sleeping in bed with Lois, taking a nice little uh, cat nap. And he, he has a dream, and it's a, a dream from when he was in high school going to a dance, and his parents took him. And it's a night that uh, that they die by hitting a tree, and except he was there, and he could hear it, and he could feel it. He could hear the heartbeat. He could hear, like, everything. And it was very, very, very real to him. And, it's, and that's actually kind of cool, because unless there's something, uh, like, extraordinary going on here, it's like, how would Superman dream? Like, you know, you know, like, like sometimes when you dream, it's almost too real. Like, it is pretty crazy that um, sometimes when I fall asleep, it, like, like into a nap type phase. Like if I'm sitting in a chair or laying on a couch, I'll have this sudden sensation that I'm falling and that'll wake me up. Yeah, absolutely. Shakes you to your core. But just, yeah, it just really kind of shakes you back awake. And so I wonder, since Superman can't really fall, it's like, <laughs> like, well, like what are his dreams like? Like can you imagine having a dream where you have such sensitive hearing that, like, your brain makes that up. Like, that's so weird. 
It's uh, bizarre because Clark, you know, it's like you said, you know, you, you can't really have the fear of falling if you can't fall. So what's the next greatest fear? And I think that's seeing the rea- like the realest thing you've seen, the thing that shook you to your core. It's almost like the well for Bruce or seeing his parents die. That I mean, this is the exact same thing for Clark this time because he, he is seeing his parents die. And it's... Um, he he's feeling overwhelmed by it, and I just kind of want to take out uh, and throw out a little like uh, guesstimation of what I think is coming. I think that this is a vision sent to him by Doctor Manhattan. I feel like that they're gonna be. have a psychic link first before they actually physically connect. The strongest that, mind contacting the strongest human. Well, not human, that, Kryptonian, but that yeah, you know that definitely could be. Well, so what do you think, Nate? I really enjoyed this first book. I, I thought it was fantastic. Book one is a solid like four point five book for me out of five. Easy. It really did a great job of setting up the story. They have a lot of little working parts that are well done. It definitely reads exactly like a Watchmen. The art is phenomenal. I love that they are playing on legitimate repercussions from the 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 actual incident that happens in the first book and the fallout from New York. They uh. They just overall, like I said, they they just did a really good job of playing it off and check it out. Here we are, the first book of Doomsday Clock. No Doctor Manhattan. He's been featured a little bit here and there and other DC stuff leading into this, and here we are at the actual event and right in the first issue. No Doctor Manhattan at all. Now I don't know if you really paid attention to this, Brando or not, and I want to know what you thought about the the issue as far as uh, a rating in a second here. But at the very end of this, they actually show you the uh, covers for every issue moving forward. Did you look at them all? I looked at what was in there, yeah. Yeah, so it's like the first one is the Doomsday Clock with uh, Dr. Manhattan behind Superman. The second one looks like it's, um, uh, what's his face, Lex Luthor. The next one is Batman. And then the next one is Rorschach, and there's an explosion. And the next one's the Joker. So the Joker's going to have some role in this. That's crazy to think about. And that's the only ones they showed, right, so far. So they showed maybe the first six books covers. One, two, three, four, five. Oh, it's the first five. One, two, three, four, five. So the first five covers. And and this is a 12-issue arc. Yeah. So this we'll be finishing up this this time next year. I can't wait, dude. It's I mean it's awesome. We're gonna get we will be definitely reviewing these once a month as they come out, folks. No no worries there. We are journey into comics. We're trying to be better about covering comic book news. We promise, and it's cool because today, Brando, we actually got to read a book the day it came out. You know, this is gonna be coming out a couple days after that moment. But within a couple days, we've actually been able to review a brand new book that's a hot topic, and I feel really happy about that. What did you think? I want to know. Oh, dude, I loved it. Uh, I thought it was really good. About I probably rated it uh, rated a good four, four, five, just like you. Uh, boom! Like right out of there, like right out of the gate, it reads like a Watchmen book with a good mix because it isn't straight up Watchmen because Watchmen is actually kind of a hard read. As far as like all of the dialogue and heavy dialogue, heavy content, exactly. So I mean, this wasn't as heavy, but the Watchmen stuff that was there was definitely written like the Watchmen. You know, it it, it was done with love and care, 
to make it seem like they just weren't using the characters in the setting. Like, like no, this is all in. And, of course, then the covers re- represent that by using the Watchmen-type covers where the you know, with the yellow side or, you know, with the stuff like the title on the side with the doomsday clock. Did you like the little Easter egg of the doomsday clock, uh, uh, being mentioned in, well, just the, the, the words doomsday clock being mentioned in, in, in justice league. Yes. They briefly touched on that. Uh, Ben Affleck says to Diana or Bruce says to Diana, Humans tend to think uh, that the doomsday clock has a snooze button. And I was just like, oh my gosh. That would be, honestly, that's redemption. If they can at some point do the doomsday clock storyline, we, and we obviously don't know what it's like, but think about if they started that story at the button, did the button story, and then evolved it into the doomsday clock story, it could be incredible storytelling it makes me really excited i will say brando if you're a comic book fan and you're a watchman fan this is nate giving you guys all a heads up they've already called for a second pressing of this first book this book is going to be one of those valuable collector items because it's a watchman book the first watchman book original pressings you get the whole series for like 100 150 bucks but these you know they're not going to be around forever once they make a second pressing. That means they'll probably make a third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth. And then that just brings your value up. So while you can, folks, you're in your first week here. You should be able to go to a local comic shop or go on to line to one of the various things you can buy comics from and order that shit. It'll be, a, it'll be something you'll be happy you have. I'm about to order mine. Or go pick one up at the shop here in the next couple days, of course. When we were recording this, tomorrow is Thanksgiving. Right now we're celebrating Black Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, anyways, Brando, let's move on to some more comic book news, man. I had you look at them before we came on the air today. How you feel, how you want me to, how you feel about these covers on The Walking Dead. We got covers for 174, 175, and 176. Of course, we know 174 is a Negan-centric issue, so no surprise that he graces the cover. I got the yawns, man. Oh, no. Are we at Revenge of the Yawns already? Has it officially happened? I don't. I, I don't think so. Okay, because good. we're because we're starting to wrap it up and 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 having, I mean, the, I mean, we got to we got to title the title of the book some or title of the book title of the episode something about the Justice League. I mean, we got to do something about that because it's not because to hide the big old Justice League talk in an episode that like is about like cold something about yawns. I kind of like tends to think that it might we actually didn't like it. It's a landmine. Yeah, people are gonna be like, wait, what? Did they fall yeah. asleep in the theater? Should I just avoid no. this episode? Right. Yeah. No. Um. So yeah. No. Negan's cooking up, cooking up some dinner. He's got our assault rifle with him because Lucille's no more. And uh, of course, in that in that Negan background story, we figure out that the dude can actually shoot a gun. He's learned how to do that. And then we go into the next issue where we where we get stormtroopers. Yeah. So what's like up with essentially, that? We we have officially big, uh, big gunned, armored out motherfuckers. Uh, not getting bit by anybody. Dope ass white armor with like red stripage. Yeah, and then the book after that, we see those same uh, troopers again, but they're standing behind uh, a female, a certain female character, sitting at a desk with a little like American flag. Looks kind of presidential to me. It does. 
And I don't know if it's a higher up official or what's going on here, but there seems to be some semblance of force. There, there there's organization here. There's there's a militaristic thing, and and and, I, and as I've said, just when you think like the story can't get any bigger, they 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 kick down a door and make it bigger. Absolutely, they just do such a good job of expanding. I remember when. I'm reading through the books, and you're at like ep- issue 94, and it's a larger world, and that's like the preamble to what is about to happen with Negan. And then here we are. We've seen the expansion of Alexandria. The hilltop is being rebuilt. All these things seem to be going well. You know, we've read what happened in 173. We've already covered that. We kind of know what can probably happen in 174. I feel like there's going to be a confrontation between Maggie and Negan, set something up there, you know, a little something-something. Who knows, though? 175, we're definitely going to come back to Yumiko, Eugene, uh, Maggie, or not Maggie, Michonne, um, Magna, Siddick, and Co., who are being held up by possibly Stephanie. This could be the President of the United States of America, as they know it. Who knows? And is is Rick's group getting ready to be drugged into something that's literally super militaristic? Who are we going to lose to this group by way of not necessarily death, but what if someone goes, this is a fucking better gig. I'm staying here. Look at this dope-ass armor they'll give me. Look like a fucking stormtrooper, bro. They have a mini-mall. They have a mall. I do, they're mass-producing action figures again here. What the fuck? They have a Penn Station. Ooh, Penn Station reference again. <laughs> like, they have Penn Station. Guys. <laughs> you got to order their Philly cheesesteak with the mayo-mustard-pizza sauce combo. It's delicious. <laughs> and the white cheese. <laughs> with four slices. Or two. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm excited for uh, The Walking Dead, bro. I really am. This book is great, and these covers are coming fast. Looks like we've got our December cover, and then the start of a six-part story that will bring us to a brave new world order of Justice League. Wait, that's not right. <laughs> Oops. Anyways, Brando, is there anything else we want to throw in here today before we rock out with our brains on? You know, I think that about covers it uh, for us here today. I really hope you guys had a really cool holiday, really safe holiday. Got some good deals on Black Friday, Cyber Monday, whatever you guys are doing. I hope you have a good one. Today and, is uh, Cyber we'll... Monday. Yeah, it actually is. I hope you guys got some deals going on, man. Um, uh, big shout out to, uh, I'm just going to do this because I'm super proud of the episode. Oh, Journey to Wrestling, a show that me and Nate also host here on the network. Number one, we got an episode coming out this Coming Wednesday, so we're gonna have to find time to record that, Nate. Just saying, we'll make it happen. Realize that. Just gotta realize that. And like, hmm. Monday okay. night might be free. Yeah, we're definitely gonna get that recorded, but it's gonna come out, of course, on this Wednesday. But we also put up a brand new exclusive episode up on the Patreon, up just for Thanksgiving, where if you go and you drop down a few bones to us uh, for the exclusive content, that is a three dollar tier. Uh, we cover the lead up and the happenings and the what ifs of the Montreal screw job uh, for pro wrestling. If you're into that. So uh, that was the first exclusive for that show. And we're looking forward to coming back and maybe doing some more comic club for you here soon. Yes. Very soon. We'll maybe start uh, on another comic series like chew or something. 
Hey. Uh, you know, give give you guys something different. We love talking about The Walking Dead, but we want to keep mixing it up and do a couple different things here. There are a lot of different places we could go, Brando. A lot of different uh, awesome graphic novels we could read and get into mm-hmm. and and bring a whole bunch of different things to the table. I think it would be really cool at some point for our Patreon to do a Kabuki exclusive because you've never read Kabuki, and I think uh, if we start you maybe second book, first book is good. It's just really a long read, and it's, I mean, it's the, listen, the Kabuki series is cool because the first book, Circle of Blood, is an all-black-and-white story, and it's not David Mack really exploding in his full potential. After that first book, he really starts to be the artist he is now that he's so well known for in his style of multiple mixed medias, whether he's actually cutting out pieces of paper to create borders for his different panels or whatever it is. So Kabuki reads so different than any other comic because part of the art is also part of the words and vice versa. So the story is laden inside of the art and it makes it just a different, more organic experience that I think we would have a lot of fun talking about cool cool yeah but uh looking at doing some more exclusive content for you guys over there on patreon please check us out to help us out to help us helps us keep the hosting bill man we got to pay those gimmicks that you know you know that come in the mail every month calls some bills so we got to keep that going and of course uh check out all the great shows on the journey the comics network over at journeycomics.com we got a bunch of shows heading over there and uh you can also check those out on your favorite uh, podcast service, whether that be, hey, we're on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Podbean, Google Play Music, and all those little kind of side apps. I search your RSS feeds and all that kind of stuff. You can find us there. Of course, the, the the show also gets shared to YouTube automatically by Podbean. So if you're a YouTuber and you're hanging out over there on your PC, just look us up over there, Journey to Comics. We show up there. Uh, I probably should do some cleanup and add some playlists and try to make stuff a little bit easier for people to grasp over there. But, you know, that day will come. But if you want to keep up, uh, keep up with us up on social medias, we're on JIC Network on Twitter, Journey to Comics on Facebook, Journey to Comics on Instagram. Uh, we got we any other social media that I'm not aware of? I don't think so, bro. I don't think we have any other social medias that I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, I will say we are up to 10 shows on the network once the final one drops here soon. I'm hopeful that it will be this weekend, but we're... we're uh, nearing completion on what I think is wave one of the network. Yeah, man. And, uh, you know, pretty soon, I mean, you know, everything grows and everything grows at its own pace. And, you know, slowly but surely we're all eventually going to be on our own RSS feeds. We're not going to be all, you know, tangled up on one feed, which is, it's cool to have a one-stop shop, but it's also cool to have a centralized, uh, feed for the show that you really want to listen to and, and dive into. Whether it's Journey into Comics or Game Addicts Podcast or The Poor Rapport or Butt Stuff or The Voice of Survival or Foodies Watching Movies or Journey into Wrestling or Podcastrophy or Brews with Dudes or Literature, whatever it is, you'll be able to get it on journeyintocomics.com. We're thankful that you guys are joining us for this journey into comics. Brando, is there anything else we want to talk about today? I don't think so. I think we're going to wrap this one up. If that's going to do it for this week's episode of Journey into Comics, this has been episode 167, folks. Moving right along to 200. I can't wait. Mapped it out. I know when it's going to happen in my mind. I'm so excited. I mapped a lot of things out, Brando. I got a little excited with the calendars. But uh, if that's going to do it for this week's episode of Journey into Comics, it's been a blast to talk to you folks. As always, 
I am your host, Nate. And I'm Brando. And we will see you guys next time. Keep filling your brains with shit.